Everybody's watching the YouTube video. They just got to see me get rejected by our dog <laughs> multiple times <laughs> in a know, row. I know it's a little out of frame, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's down there and he wants on your lap. But yeah. you will be taking the lead on the case tonight, yes. so I'm not sure. Him I can do it with the dog in my lap. It's probably. just a matter of him deciding what he wants to do. But probably. Whatever. Well, welcome everybody. Oh, there goes. <laughs> and there he, there he is. <laughs> welcome to another episode of True Crime Banter. If you guys. Uh, want to know what we're talking about? You can find us on YouTube. Yes. Wow, he's just making making things difficult. It's okay. He'll settle down. It's all good. Yeah. But yeah. So here we are. Um, like I said, you're going to be taking the lead on tonight's case. Mm-hmm. And was there any uh, sneak peek or preview or that you? Yes. What yes. do we What do we call that? Uh, teaser. Sure. You got a little yeah, teaser for us. A little teasy tease. Yes. Um. So this is going to be a homicide of a beautiful young woman from the late 80s that goes unsolved for decades until one day when timing and fate meet at a water park during a play date ending in pretty much a freaking miracle and this case is a really good example of patience paired perfectly with honest detective work and the thing that we just love ever since it's come out modern technology indeed i do love modern technology Yes. Don't we all? Don't uh, we all? Fate and timing at a water park. Is this our our wedding story? <laughs> wait, I mean, it can be, I guess, if what? you want. <laughs> haven't planned much. Well, uh, before <laughs> before we get into that, um, I guess I'm going to go over a little bit of banter. And I will admit, Ooh. I don't have a ton of uh, banter to go over. Mm-hmm. But I just got done editing the most recent video, uh, the... I am blanking on the oh uh, uh, uh Jay Cook and Tanya Van Von Kylenborg. Mm-hmm. Tough name to say, I, I must know. say. And yeah, that's the one you just did. Yeah, if you guys haven't listened, uh, go back take a listen. That was a local one with a groundbreaking uh, situation. We've with, done a couple local ones now. Yeah, and again, modern technology, and this was like the first of its kind. So check that out. But uh, while I was editing that, you were working on your notes for this case. And one of the new editing techniques I decided to try out <laughs> was editing in 1.5 times speed. Oh, God. So, which just means that I can, you know, surf through this episode quicker than yeah. regular time. But when doing that, I realized that, uh, obviously, the time is stretched or shrunk and the audio sounds like a bunch of chipmunks. And so I'm listening to us for basically an hour straight in chick chipmunk voice at 1.5 times speed. And I'm pretty sure there could be like a parody YouTube channel on uh, something of like that sort. chipmunk true crime? Yes, exactly. Something yeah. that will uh, um, sound... I don't want to sound... I don't, I don't want to say sound funny... But something that well, will, I get what you're saying. Yeah, that yeah. could easily keep people's attention, and also be like serious, but like a little more enjoyable yeah. than your than your well, average. Well, there's true podcasts crime. out there that are like funny true crime, kind of like there's yeah. like a like humor to it. I mean, yeah, it, there's well, there's a little bit of I don't lightness know if it's to Alvin most. and the Chipmunks telling no, the story, no, no. but but there are people that like make jokes every now and then, not jokes about the victims or anything, but right, there is yeah. some lightheartedness in between these stories. Yeah, and it just kind of made me wonder. If you there and was I do other, it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I was wondering though. It it made me think: Are there other uh, forms of entertainment that you could possibly <laughs> speed up at one point five times speed and just enjoy it? Maybe a little bit more than normal. Yeah, I don't know. Just something that kind of came to mind. I would, again, not like a lot it. of. And you know what? 
Jeffrey Bezos. <laughs> Stop. Not again. Not um, again. Yeah, we don't really have any shout outs because we actually just shouted out everybody last night in the last episode that we recorded. Yeah, I haven't gotten anything between now and then. No. So Where? shame on you. <laughs> yeah, way to go everyone. Shame on you. Uh we're just gonna have to get right into this yeah. then. And uh I'm gonna go ahead and let you begin. Thank you. Summer 2013, when two moms are out on a play date with their kids at a local water park. While the kids are off playing, the unsolved homicide of Mandy Stavick from Acme, Washington is brought up. Amazingly enough, it was two women talking in a water park that gave us the break in this case. One of the moms brought her name up. I just kind of turned to Marilee and said, well, I am sure I know who killed her. And turned to her and I said, oh, I do too. So that's like, I feel like a, like, a okay. good intro to this. Like, it's kind of a little bit suspenseful. All right, all right. You know? And so this, and that is, um, is that from 48 Hours? Their yes. coverage on this? Yep. Okay. So. We did not interview these mothers. No, no, no. These... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That, that wasn't already blatantly over. obvious. No, but all the clips in this episode are from that. Okay. Yes, right, I got my right. information from multiple websites, but all the clips are from the 48-hour okay. segment. Perfect. Yes. So this whole story takes place in Acme, Washington, which is not too far from us, actually. This is another local one, as we already stated. I love it. I, I know, another it. one. And just like the last one, near Bellingham. Which of is course, north, always. right? Uh, like hour and a half yeah, ish from hour. us. Yeah. yeah, it's a very, very small town. Like when I was looking it up, the census, the most recent one I could find, like accurate, was 2010, and I think it was like maybe 200 people. Wow. Yes. Okay. So I put in the notes here that I pointed like I've been here a few times, and I don't even remember seeing a grocery store. I'm sure they have one, but just the initial driving through of the town, it just houses and they're all very spaced apart yeah um so let's rewind to november 24th 1989 when college freshman mandy stavick was home from college for thanksgiving she decided to go on a jog with her german shepherd kyra she's done this a thousand times when the dog returned home alone mandy's mother mary instantly knew something was wrong so she alerted the police What ensued was a massive search for this young woman using every resource this small town had, especially back in 89. Wasn't a ton, but Mm -hmm. boats, dogs, search teams, the whole thing, right? Yeah, I can't imagine a whole lot going on in a small town like that. Yeah. So not too long after starting, police were scouring the local Naksuk River when they saw something pink floating not too far ahead. Mm -hmm. It was Mandy's running shoes. The only article of clothing left on her body. Wow. Yes. So she was found floating face down in the river. So they it was it was actually her yeah. in the river. Yes. They with saw her, her shoes. shoes still on. Yeah, they saw her shoes first because they were like bright fluorescent pink. It was and the only they thing the they could see in the water. Oh yep. my goodness. So she was completely naked besides her shoes. So besides the obvious about it being a homicide, police also found semen confirming their suspicions it was sexually motivated. As far as suspects go, Police had their eye on local drifter who camped out near the crime scene, but DNA ruled him out. So when I was doing this research, I was like, DNA in 89? Like, was that even, like, really a thing? Right. And then I looked it up, and I was like, when, and I think I typed in, when did DNA start being used in crime scenes? And it said 86. Okay. So I'm sure once this came out, they were using it in everything they could. trying to find out. Exactly. use it as much as possible. Right. So she also had a boyfriend who they interviewed, and they were able to rule him out as well. So okay. and how it. old was she again? She was nineteen. Okay. Yeah, so she is young adult. College freshman. Yep. About thirty local men gave samples, but none of them matched. So this is kind of where the case goes cold. It goes cold pretty quick. So you can have DNA, but unless you have someone to compare it to, right? All you can kind of yeah, do is help. wait until you get a comparison. I feel like most people know that, especially people that are probably like like 
not only listening to us, but like all Listen, the other podcasts yeah. like us. Yeah. Yeah. So for 20 something years, this case sat, but the town of Acme never forgot it. That is until a suspect emerged that had been under their noses the entire time. They always are. This brings us to 2013, when two moms have what they think is an innocent conversation about a cold case. So this brings us back. At the water park. (laughs) Good job. Yes. (laughs) Neither had ever told a soul, but when interviewed, they told 48 Hours that they weren't ready to make such a claim or an accusation. And I don't blame them at all because you have no proof. You don't have anything. Yeah, you, you just, just got a gut feeling. Yeah, right. And there's not really much you can do with that. Even police who have gut feelings about people can't do anything about yeah. it. Yeah, And even when they, they, they act upon those gut feelings, it doesn't mean it's going to lead to anything. It's just they got to go through the process. Exactly. So finally, both of them said it out loud. I really wasn't ready because we are in a small town and to accuse someone of something that we don't know for sure is a little scary. Heather also never discussed her concerns with anyone in the area. No friend or family in the community that I lived in because of the weight of that. But talking to each other here in this water park decades later, they finally felt compelled to say his name out loud. And I just said that I knew that it was Tim, that it was Tim Bass. Tim Bass, huh? Mm-hmm. So do we know, um, or maybe you're going to get into it, who these two women are that are talking? Yeah, so they went to the same high school. As they Mandy. all went to the same high school, right? They were okay. a little bit apart in years, but because the town was so small... You knew everyone. So you knew this girl that got okay. murdered was from your high school. And maybe she was a couple years older or younger than you. But that, everyone yeah. knew her. This yeah, case I was could, huge. This town is so small. I was going to say, I could imagine even uh, decades later when you're in such a small town like that with a small, I guess, graduating class or high school reunions or whatever it is, that's got to be a case that you you keep coming back to yeah especially because this doesn't happen all the time so that's probably honestly the most when i say quote-unquote exciting thing Uh that's happened in the town and if it's unsolved you know then yeah it's gonna be something that's probably brought up all right so they so so tim bass is who they think this guy who did it is so tim bass actually attended the same high school as all of them and when she finally said it out loud both women had actually had quote-unquote creepy and quote-unquote disturbing experiences with Tim. So both these moms, which you can only imagine how many other women, if if these two chicks both had weird things yeah, with him, they, they can't yeah. be the only no, ones. No, exactly. So one of the moms was 15 in 1989, and this was only a few months before Mandy was actually murdered, when her and some friends piled in a truck, and they were playing softball at like a field nearby or something like that, and... Tim at this time was in his, I think, mid-20s, which means he only would have been a little bit older than Mandy. She was mm-hmm. 19. He was probably mid-20s, whatever. Um, And they all get into this truck, and they're going to go to a local Dairy Queen. And first of all, I thought it was weird that this woman was 15 and Tom was, or Tim was in his 20s. mid-20s. Yeah, yeah. But I guess small town, maybe yeah, whatever. she had a brother who was friends with Tim. I'm not sure, I mean, but I was like, what is a 20 something? No, exactly. We already know he's weird, right? So she said she somehow ended up sitting next to him in the back of this truck. Okay. And I guess she had, she said she had, um, she was wearing cut off sweatpants in the back right. of this truck. And 80s I guess, fashion. yeah, whatever, right? Who, who cares what she's wearing? And I guess he like started to make weird comments and he like, there was a pen. Just like a normal like pen in the car. Yeah. And he started to like run it along her like leg. And she said that like she felt super uncomfortable. And I know that might not sound like anything to like anybody, but like you shouldn't be touching anybody, especially no. a fifteen year old. Just put yourself like, in the weird. shoes if you don't know somebody. No, that's or you're a, not right. that close. And then yeah. they just start rubbing you're like, well, you. It's a in pen. It's not like right. But I feel like I could hear somebody not justifying but excusing it. Right. You oh, know, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, which happens all the time. Yeah. So good. I'm glad you fucking said that. So a few years later, in 1991, so this was after the murder. Mm-hmm. The other mom was with her young son at home alone when one night she gets a knock at the door, 
And then I put an asterisk. I said, why she answered the door, I will never know. Like, I don't know why you would even answer the door at night. Yeah. But it's a small town. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I was going to say. Different time back right. then. That was when people didn't Late even lock their doors. Late at night with a baby and you're by yourself. I don't know. Anyway, so she opened the door. And who was standing there except Tim Bass? Of course. And he was asking to use her phone. He had been hunting all day, apparently, and he wanted to call his wife. She said she was in her bedroom, which was kind of in a back room. So she let him use the phone in the living room, and her bedroom was a little bit down the way, but she kind of was, like, peering around the corner, like, trying to hear maybe, Mm -hmm. like, what he was doing, because she said she already felt kind of weird, but she was like, whatever, it's just him. And she said she kept hearing the whole, like, you reached the wrong number, or the number that you're trying to reach is disconnected, or, you know, she kept hearing okay. it over and over again, so she's like, he's dialing a fake number. Yeah. Or, or doesn't know the number that he's trying to dial. Right, super weird. So she felt okay. really fucking weird. So she kind of, like, goes back into the bedroom. I don't know if she's cleaning, whatever she's doing. Um, She has her son with her. Maybe he, I don't know what she's doing. And she says, like, she, she turns around and Tim's right there. And Tim had, like, gone back into her bedroom. And... He, she said that he said about back in the day when she was younger that he used to, like, drive by her house and, like, see if she would come out or see if she was in the window. And he also said how he was in love with her and how he wanted to make love to her. Right. After just, quote-unquote, trying to call his wife. Right. Okay. So, like... Maybe he can't remember the phone number. Fucking weird. And he just somehow professes his love for her years ago. Yeah, what a talk about fate and timing again. Yeah. Like, what? So she instantly is fucking freaked out as anyone would be. She's like, yeah, yeah, she goes, you need to get the fuck out of my house. And he goes, no, I'm not leaving. And she goes, I'm going to call the cops. And that spooked him, I guess. So he left. So that was like her weird instance. And then I don't think anything else happened. I mean, if it is, it's not reported. She should have just still called the cops. No, I know, right? But I don't know what they would have done. Well, he left, so yeah. what do we do? Yeah, no like, proof or yeah. didn't do anything. You let him in, so. Exactly. So back in 1989, um, Tim nor any of his family was ever asked to give a sample about anything. They were under the radar. They didn't stand out for any reason. They were just like okay. a normal family. Um, and when asked, police said back then his family was really like well liked in the community and there was no reason to suspect anything on any of them. So there wasn't really a reason to go after any of them for a sample. So since then, Tim had been living in the same city, Acme, driving a delivery truck for a local bakery for the Franz Bakery. Oh, okay. People that make the bread and the donuts yeah. and all that stuff. And I d- is that like a nationwide thing? Uh, I don't know. I don't know either, but it's it's a I thing up like here. I know that. Yeah, yeah, there's like a bit of it seems like multiple Franz bakeries yeah. around here. So. so I put in the notes that I've actually been to the exact one. I didn't want to like multiple say, times. I didn't want to say too much about this, but like my dad and I are really into this kind of stuff, and like we are the people that like if we find out somebody was like murdered in a home, we go to the home. <laughs> like we will like You're drive like, by. Show me the bedroom. It's so weird. I well, it's actually not that weird. Not for the people listening, probably. They probably yeah, would do the same like, stuff. I would love to. But yeah, but we've been to the actual bakery and we kind of, we didn't stall, but we were like looking around and me and him were both like, whoa, this is where this guy worked. And like, we found out about this case a year or two ago and we're like, we need to go to his workplace. And you've gone there multiple times. Multiple times. <laughs> and we bought English muffins yeah. from this actual bakery, from this murder bakery. Yeah. So. Raspberry field. English muffins? Maybe. I don't know. That would be great, though. But no. So Tim had never been on their radar. He was kind of like a random person until these two women came forward. And after they came forward, this conversation was so spooky to the both of them that they were like, we need to go to the cops. Yeah, we have to. Like, what are the chances that... Now there's like a power in numbers kind of thing, right? Where they're like, okay, I had a weird experience. It's probably just a one-off. But now you're hearing it, you're like, okay. Maybe it's not You just too? Yeah. Well, it's not probably just us two then either. Yep. So finally the cops are like, okay. The fact that one of them was 15 at the time, the cops are like, okay. Yeah. And then not only that, but did he live on the same road as Mandy? So cops are like, okay. This Let's is like two plus two, right? So cops decided to pay Tim a visit. At first, Tim denied he even knew her. But then as the interview went on, he was like, oh, yeah, okay, that Mandy girl. Yeah, yeah, that girl right. they uh, they found in the river. Yeah? 
Yeah, and police were not buying this shit. Yeah. yeah. Now, I will say, I, I'm not going to say I will say, because I don't know what it's like to live in a town of 200 people. Yeah. You would think in, if that's a situation and you were around that age and that happened. On the same road. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you probably knew exactly who she was and you probably tried to hang out too. with her. When they were interviewed, they were like, there's no way. Everybody in know. this entire area knows <laughs> yeah. who this is. Yeah. I, I was, yeah. What I was going to say is that if you're in your like a, a few years, you know, five, six years older than yeah. you or whatever it is, and maybe you don't hang out in the same crowd so it doesn't ring a bell at first. Yeah. But I, I think in a town like this, where he probably did try to yeah. do the a same thing that he did. A small safe town, not even a small crime-ridden town. No, I mean one crime. It's not makes like it you can. It's not like town, you can but... get these murders mixed up with other murders. Yeah. It's the only one. The only one that's like probably ever happened there. Yeah. So right. Yeah, Tim, you're not. I don't yeah. think you're fooling anybody no. with this. Uh... Nice try, buddy. So when asked to give a DNA sample, he got really weird, apparently, and was like, oh, well, I've seen those shows where they give DNA and they go to prison, so I'm going hard, no, to hard pass on this. Yeah. But I'm, like, thinking, like, they go to prison because it matches. Yeah. Like, it's not like yeah, they he's send like, no, people trust to prison. Me, I've, I've seen those shows where the guys kill someone and then they give them their DNA and then they go to prison. Yeah. He's like, that's what I did. I'm yeah, not trying to do right. this. Right. I was like, thing. so you're saying you're guilty? Like, they're going to match it? Right. It was so weird. I'm like, what a weird thing to say. I feel like I would just default to, like, no, I'm not comfortable or like attorney or like, but he's like, nah. nah I'm good. I've nah. seen. I'm TV. not trying to go to prison because yeah. it's so, going to match. This is what year? 25. 20- this 15? is 2013. Oh, 13. Okay. Yeah. So this is the same year right. that those girls came forward. Okay. Yes. So it's just fucking stupid. But anyway, police have are like, okay, we're going to have to get a little bit more creative. So they decided to put him under surveillance and they followed him for one of his night shifts, hoping he would discard something and Anything, yeah. no luck. So whether or not he knew he's being surveilled or he's just weirdly like careful about stuff like that, it's I'm not really sure. But they couldn't get anything hmm. until an unexpected helper came along. Oh. So cops called his job where he worked at the France Bakery and they spoke to his boss, a woman named Kim Wagner. Kim had her own experiences with Tim, none of them great, but she said he always referred to her as woman and... You never knew just what you would get with him day to day, so you just tended to stay away from him, end quote. Sounds like a great employee. Right. And this is his boss saying that? Yeah. <laughs> Woman? <laughs> but I know, but you're also thinking back then, especially 80s, 90s, like, it, but, did, it didn't matter if you were the boss. You really couldn't say anything t- to men. Like, you couldn't just right. be like, don't talk but to me this like that. Is, she's his boss in the 2010s yeah but i mean who knows how long he's been right. working yeah, there's yeah. what i mean like who knows how long she's been his boss true it could I have just, been for a while still, like like i know like you would think you'd be like yeah that's not how you not talk right. to me so yeah but we learn later he has a bad history with females as we obviously already know so after cops call her and they spoke for a while she kind of started putting two and two together about like kind of the things they were inferring okay and she just bluntly asked them are you guys suspicious of Tim in the Mandy Stavik case? Huh. And they just bluntly said, yeah. And she goes, you guys want DNA, don't you? And once again, (laughs) they said, yeah. And that's when she said, I can help you guys. I got you. So after this conversation, she kind of like became her own like little like spy and okay. she kept an eye on Tim right. day after day. She was like, woman this. Yeah, right. I know. She was like, this guy yeah. is really weird. And so she kept an eye on him and she said that she would empty the trash frequently so that if he ever threw away anything, she'd just be able to grab it. It wouldn't be mixed in with other people's stuff. Good she said she her. watched him all the time. So three months later, finally, she Damn. saw Tim throw away a plastic cup and a Coke can. And I just stood there and went, oh, it's game time. And I'm like, this is a jackpot. And so this time my heart was like, oh, I was, I was dying because there was a lot of people around. So I grabbed it. And then I was like, <laughs> I threw it on my desk drawer. She's giddy with excitement. <laughs> I know. And if you see her, like, she's just so stoked because she's like, I, she, Anyway, she said, and this brings me to the next thing. When interviewed, Kim, she says, my heart said it wasn't him, but my gut said it was. Okay. So this explains. She's like, I fucking knew it. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Not, not only, like, 
I feel like we kind of breezed over real quick the fact that she spent three months like waiting for yeah any DNA right. Con- she was like, I'm I'm the janitor at the store, that I am. <laughs> and the boss, <laughs> and right? The boss and the woman, <laughs> the woman. And, yeah, yeah. Damn. So yeah. Yep. I mean that's okay. So what did the cup? Right. So she puts it in her desk, like she says, and then she gives it to cops. Nice. Another three months goes by because keep in mind, DNA is still DNA. You still right. have to, there's a million cases behind that one. You still got to, you know what I mean? Everything costs money. So as much as you want to just send this out and get it tested, there is a waiting list. So it took another three months for them to get the results back. And wouldn't you know it? Mr. Bass the Ass. <laughs> and yes, I wrote that. So you would think, wham, bam, this is our dude. Let's get the SWAT team out here and kick his ass. But the details have to be sorted out first, right? Because if you're like a real true crime person, I feel like you'll know that like this part of it where you start to – it's not like the police part is done, but almost where yeah. now they've done their job. They've the, collected the, the evidence. Litigation part of it. Yes. And now the attorneys that they work together, but they have to that's where they work together before, where the prosecutor's like, You need to have this, this, and this, and then we can arrest him. We yeah. can't arrest him if we don't have these things. Then once they're arrested, now they have to put a story together. Yeah. And they have to be able to prove it can't be anyone else because that's what the defense's yep. team's Beyond job any is. Reasonable is doubt. They have to prove that there is any bit of doubt at all. The prosecution has to prove there's no doubt at all, right? So right. this is where this whole thing comes in where now the police have to kind of gather a little bit more and yeah, interview. Because at, at this point, I mean, we're all we have is matching DNA and two people, three people, if you include the boss, right. that just have weird gut feelings. About right. It. That two of them had a weird experience, but exactly. nothing actually illegal happened. So at this point, you would think DNA matches. There's no other that. How more definitive could you get? Right. But there is the whole thing where he could say they had consensual yeah. sex. He could say they were secretly dating. He had a wife at the time. Right. So okay. there's kind of that. But that doesn't that hasn't stopped other people mm-hmm. from having affairs and stuff. But this is where they have to interview him and get all the like they have to get it on tape that they're like there's no other way. Yeah, I was gonna say at least that it could having be. the DNA gives them the opportunity to arrest yes. him to then interrogate. Exactly. Him. So as one day as he's leaving work, they actually ask like, "Can we ask you some questions?" And they go through like these like finalized questions where they're like, "Did you have any relation to her? Did you guys kiss? Did you do anything at all where your bodies came into contact?" And he's like, "No, no, 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 no." All right. Just like anyone else that is in this position where you're super fucking guilty, most people you'll see try to distance themselves. Yeah. Exactly, had nothing to do with it, which ends up biting them in the ass when it proves to be then them. Why would there be exactly? DNA? So this works perfectly for them because why else would it be on there? So they say, so if you didn't have anything to do with her, then why was your DNA found inside of her? And he's very confused how they even got his DNA because he has reportedly a million times been like, no, no thanks. No, no, I'm good. I'm not giving you any samples. So this brings us to December 12th, 2017, 28 years after Mandy's murder. Police arrested him, finally, in the bakery parking lot, charging him with kidnapping, rape, and murder. Wow. The same day, the arresting officer paid a visit to Mandy's mother, Mary, who never thought she would see this case solved. Showing up on her doorstep, all he said was, we got him. Mary was genuinely confused. She goes, got who? (laughs) And it just actually, I thought this was really cute. It just so happened to be her birthday. Oh, yep. Well, Just happy a cute birthday, little Mom. like extra thing, right? Yeah. So their little bakery helper, Kim, was informed shortly after. And when interviewed, she got very emotional. And she just simply said, my first thought was about Mandy. That's why I helped. And so I put on my notes here that I just wanted to point out that when I'm I feel like I've watched so many of these and whether it was f- to do a case um, which we haven't done that many of, or mm-hmm. just kind of just being a true crime person, yeah. listening, watching, reading, whatever it is. I don't think I've ever seen a segment like this where every single person cried. The detectives, the the interviewers, the interviewees, every single person had to stop. Yeah. Had to I stop mean... and like compose themselves. Every single person. It huh. wasn't one or two. It wasn't just the mom. It was every... wasn't the sister. 
It was the lead detective 30 years later. He's 70-something years old now. It was the rookie detectives that were just on patrol that night. It was the bakery workers. It was the people who knew her when she went to high school with them, who helped her out when she babysat. It was her neighbors down the road. It was the mailman. Like, literally every single person. I guess when you're in such a small town like that, that you it doesn't have to be somebody that you knew personally. Yeah. Because... You're such a tight knit community already that um, it already resonates with you the pain that you could possibly feel if that was to happen to somebody that you knew. Right. And I mean, I, I could only imagine uh, that the, I guess, small town feel or the small town of this community that it is had to play into that. Yeah. Even if it is like a rookie detective, obviously. I mean, they could just be emotional that, hey, we finally got somebody that we've been looking for for yeah. ever, even though it's not me personally that's been doing it. It's, right. It's, uh, you know, my department. Yeah. And in communities like that, I think you do have more uh, passionate people about why they do it because yeah. there's not a lot of, you know, crime yeah. or you're not trying to stop the bad guys yeah. uh, like you would in maybe like downtown yeah. Seattle or something. Right. So if you're going to was... choose to do this job, you're like, because I care about my community. Yeah. There were so many like times where I started getting like showing up, especially because well, you know this, but like old people, when they start crying, I'm just telling you, like it just kills my insides, especially yeah. old dudes, like old little frail grandpas. Like a lot of these people were like in their 40s, 30s, or 40s back then. Yeah. And, they're and probably so now thinking they're in their 60s my, or 70s. Been my child, no, you that's know? exactly what it was. One of the detectives who, the one, the main one that found her when she was in the river, he said he turned her over. And when the Peter Van Zandt from 48 Hours was interviewing her mm-hmm. or him, he said that when he like turned her over, he said for the slightest split second, she looked just like his daughter. And he said he just like like when he was talking about it, he like had to step away for a second. Like this yeah. cute old like guy who's probably seen so much shit was just like and I was like, oh fuck, not an old guy crying. I'm like, God damn it, yeah, I can't like, do this. this. God. Not today. Oh my god. And then like the another one, today. yeah, who he was probably in his fifties. Obviously, he was like super young back then, but he was like you would just see him just talking. And all of a sudden, he would like have to like cover his face, and I was like. Just like a normal conversation that all of a sudden like it just like gets him in, in yeah. like you can hear it in his voice. He's just, just getting all choked up. Huh. And you can tell like all of them are so surprised how they are like reacting to it. Yeah. Like maybe they like, didn't, oh, I didn't realize expect how emotional to get like this. Involved. Yeah. Yeah. And you could tell that in the interviewers like, are you, you good? good yeah. You good? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Every single person. Weird. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to point that out that like I've never seen that before. So now police have their man arrested, but having someone in handcuffs obviously is just the start. And yeah. now you have the other battle of getting him behind bars, right? So props, props, prosecutor Dave McKechnie was 44 when Mandy was murdered. He was 73 when this case went to trial. Not only did he come out of retirement to prosecute this case, but he wow. also refused to take any money for it. He was so invested in this. I know. He is another cute old guy you've seen with his spectacles up there. I'm out of this league. He kind of looks like a really skinny Dr. Phil with glasses. He's just this cute old balding dude with like (laughs) hair around the sides. And he's just like, I'm doing this. Hell yeah. Yep. So like I said in the other ones, I don't like to get too far into the trial, but this is like somewhat recent. So there is some information on it. I won't go too far into it. But um. Just as I talked about not too long ago, our fears come true. This piece of shit really had to like pull something out for his defense. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he claimed that they did have consensual sex. All oh. of a sudden, he didn't know who she was. And now he was secretly dating her. Oh, but. Yeah. That doesn't make. I don't get it, though, because no, I, there's no reason I would have ever touched her, yeah, kissed her or anything. Honestly, exactly. I didn't know who you were even talking about mm-hmm. at first. And, right. Oh, oh, wait, wait, yeah. So his ex-wife, Gina, they actually were still together at the time that he got arrested. But obviously, with this whole thing going on, she was like, fuck this guy, right? So she, that's a whole other kind of side thing. I won't go into it, but she had endured years of abuse. So she was like, I'm not really surprised. Yeah. She was trying to get out for years. That's a sign right there. If if the moment that he gets arrested for anything like this, you're just like, peace. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. I've been waiting for this. This is her ticket out, right? And we've, we've. 
heard this before abused women it is so hard to escape because you're so scared for your life or you want to stay for the kids or whatever it is so she had said that before his arrest he actually admitted to her that he had slept with mandy and she goes yeah right like she's like there's no fucking way like Hmm. she knew that it was closing in and he was trying to create an alibi an excuse of why his dna might be on her or if he ever got in trouble a reason why he would be linked to her i was gonna say because if he decides to admit that in between the first initial contact that police made right and then the arrest yeah that's him trying to create this right and she knew it too somebody to corroborate it with him thank god she was smart she was like yeah okay exactly woman he had claimed that they had consensual sex hours before her murder so i feel like defense attorneys get a really bad rep and rightfully so um they defend the absolute worst pieces of shit Um, and they lie to juries. And when you know deep down your client is completely guilty, yeah. you there's DNA yeah. leaking, their witnesses, but you have to find that one little bit to create mm-hmm. some kind of doubt. And so what you can collect your paycheck or whatever. So when I was watching this, this absolutely infuriated me. Like the defense attorneys were yeah. just this. Was this part of the trial that you when you yes. were watching? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The it, one thing they're being interviewed by the Forty Eight Hours guy. Oh. And yeah, so this is like during and so this is like off on the side. Peter Van Zandt is interviewing them and he's like, so you're saying that Mandy and him had consensual sex? And they're like, that's exactly the what we're of, saying. Yeah, yeah. They're like, so you're and saying. And this is like d- while the trial is still going on. Yeah, like okay. kind of like off on the side, right? Yeah. So like in between. The only reason why I was asking that is because I do know and I actually I think I brought it up either in the past episode or the uh, a previous episode before I'm sure I'll bring it up multiple times again. Uh, especially defense attorneys, they they say they view it as just a game. Oh and, yeah, and that's where uh, that's why you see them turn into politicians sometimes because it's just about winning. I mean, yeah. that's all politics is right. is trying to win the game, and yeah. that's what defense attorneys often look at these cases is they don't yeah. care the significance of what happened or the yeah. actual details of. Um, you know, how impactful it is for a community. Yeah. They're just like, hey, I have one task yeah. to win this case. Or they don't care that, like, a kid gets murdered or whatever. They're just yep. like, well, my client, there was no witnesses that he mm-hmm. was there, even though the DNA matches or whatever. Yep. So I would agree. They're uh, yeah. not the most... Um, but to see them, like, I feel like if you hear about it, okay, if you read about it, okay. Actively but defend it. to see it. them on the fucking screen really just, like... And wow. that's, that is wow. where things get a little uh, dicey because when you are when you're saying this stuff outside of the courtroom, that isn't able to influence the actual, uh, yeah. I guess, jury. And yeah. so you're actually saying this on behalf of what you believe at that point, I feel like. Yeah, well, you, know, you have to keep up the front. If, right, if, but at if that in point, the case, you know, you you're just like, be my like, client's I'm not innocent. Gonna, I'm going to refuse to talk about this you yeah. know, until... So... What Peter says is he asks him, he goes, so what you're saying is Mandy came home for a Thanksgiving break and had consensual sex. And then got murdered. And the defense attorney says, that's exactly what I'm saying. Then Peter says, so what do you say to those who say there's absolutely no way? Prove it. He says, I don't have to prove it. The burden of proof is on the prosecution. Okay. Right. I mean, that's obvious. Yeah. It is. on. So what you're saying is I don't have to do shit. You guys have to prove my client didn't do mm-hmm. it. Like, just the fucking, if you could see it in this guy's face, I was like, yeah. really? Some 19-year-old got fucking raped and murdered and, and thrown in a river? And you're just like, well, we're just going to sit here and wait for you to find some proof. Yeah. Like, yeah, and and again, that is, that is just a, you know, do not pass go. God. This is a, uh, it's just monopoly that he's playing he's yeah. saying this is the line i'm I supposed know. to say right now i feel now. like most of the time they try to like keep it very general but this guy got very specific and was like well like just like yeah. i don't give a shit but anyway the defense had their own forensics examiner and said that the semen in her could have lived up for uh lived up lived in her for up to 48 okay. hours before she was found the prosecution team called their own examiner, who happened to be the original medical examiner okay. that examined her back in 1989. So now he's this cute old gray-haired dude, right? But he is the original person. Like, what better witness, right, yeah. to how her body was back then? So 
Um, he says that he actually believes that there are signs on the body. It didn't really go into it when they interviewed him in court, but he says there are ways to tell how, how long how long it's been in okay. there. So he's like, no, like what he's I like, saw. You're not wrong, especially but defense this wasn't wounds, the right? Exactly. So next to take the stand was Bass's ex-wife, um, Gina, who admitted to years of abuse. She claimed that she was present when Tim Bass asked his own mother to point the finger at her husband, his dad, who's dead, who's been dead for 10 years. Wow. He said, let's just say dad did it. And this was at, at, after he's already been arrested? No, then? this was before. Oh. Okay. When he knew the walls were closing in on him, he had okay. already been interrogated right. a few times. Okay. He came up to his mother and was like, let's just say dad did it. He clearly doesn't know how DNA works. but. You know what I mean? So she said that Gina said that his mom buried her hands in her face and just shook her head and paused for a minute and just said, no, no, yeah, no, no, no. I can't. No. So, oh my gosh, did they, was the ex-wife and the mom ever um, brought to court? So, yes. Yeah, so Gina did testify. She said all this is all the stuff that was in her statement. Okay. The mom at the very end test not testified, but gave a statement afterwards, like at sentencing. Yeah. Defending her son completely said of none of this ever happened. Blah, blah, blah. Of course, we moms, I can't even get into it. Um, But then Tim's own brother, Tom. So Tom and Tim try not to get those confused. But Tom took the stand, not on the defense, but on the prosecution side. Okay. And thank God one of them has a conscience. He stated, Tim asked me to tell the police that I slept with Mandy too. When asked why, he said, well, I guess he wanted to make it seem like she got around. His brother also said he was there when Tim was trying to create a fake alibi. He wanted his mother to lie and say that they were Christmas shopping when Mandy got murdered. Okay, good. Yeah. I mean, it... I mean, there's like if it's you like really go Tim into the interview, like I has it, no idea how DNA works. I well, I don't think a lot of people do, but it, back then it was like really when it started getting used. I really don't think he understood it, but that's a good thing, right? I yeah. mean, yeah, thank God. But Tom was stated as like growing up, Tim was always kind of weird, and he always like he said this was not in my notes, but something I uh, saw in the interview was that he said. Um, when they were in high school, he overheard Tim on the phone with his then high school girlfriend and she was breaking up with him and he had a gun in his room and he said, I'm going to shoot myself if you break up with me. And he shot the gun, but he shot it like through the roof. Like he just wanted her to hear the sound to make her think, to make her think he killed himself. Jesus. So he's always had like, he's always been off, Yeah. but I'm glad his brother's not like defending him. He's like, Tim's always been fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah. So both sides went back and forth for a week, which I feel like most cases last longer. So this was actually pretty quick. So they went back and forth. He didn't do it. He did it, whatever. And everyone held their breath as the jury was dismissed to deliberate. The whole process took a little bit over a day. 29 years and six months to the day had passed since Mandy was murdered, and they all found him guilty. Everyone was in tears during and after, hugging, embracing, just happy that justice was served. Six weeks later, because the sentencing is separate, Mm -hmm. sentencing finally arrived. The family had a spokesperson who let everyone know what a heartache it's been all these years and how finally they are so relieved this whole thing is freaking over. So when given the chance to speak, Tim surprisingly stood up. I would first like to say that I'm 100% innocent of this crime. Furthermore, I don't believe I received a fair trial. In saying that, though, the better man in me says I should say very little today. I give this day to the Stavik family. Okay, buddy. <laughs> sure, sure. Right. So, so go ahead. Give this day to the family that I didn't murder their child of. Yeah. So he's basically saying that. They got their closure. Correctly. I'm just I, honestly, I, I'm amazed he even said anything at all. Most of them yeah. are just like, no. I'm just going to be quiet, whatever. But I'm surprised he said anything at all. But I'm just glad he didn't ramble and ramble and ramble, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that was very short. Even if you said I'm innocent, which we all know it's not true, I just fuck. These people that go on and on about like, 
I didn't do it and this person does it like okay mm-hmm. chill like you're already you're at sentencing it this yeah. isn't your trial granted, it's done you, you said this was six weeks after being yeah. convicted yeah I get I guess you've got time to you know um cope with what your future is going to be and so maybe he is just like how how can I yeah, just save true, the rest yeah. of my face for I mean he's tried to know. appeal but yeah so the judge gave no shits and sentenced him to 27 years Good. Um, he wasn't able to get life in prison, which normally you would. Um, but there wasn't enough proof, so they were only they weren't able to charge him with premeditated murder, which would okay. get him more years. They were just able to charge him with murder. So they they knew that it wouldn't stick because they didn't have enough proof say, for premeditated. Yeah, you hear that sometimes. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, you can't gamble. Uh, you can, yeah, you yeah. can. We can try to charge him for this one or this one. Yep. But if we go for this one and it doesn't happen, there's no double jeopardy. Yeah. It's all or nothing. So Mandy's mother, Mary, was just happy to see her case be brought to justice and something yeah. be done. She honestly didn't think she would be around for this. She oh. didn't give up, but she kind of came to terms with the fact that. This probably wouldn't be solved in her lifetime, but it actually was. So everyone credits the entire city of Acme in, in its role. This wasn't just the police. No, this, no, this was, is everybody Yeah, being This active. was the co-worker. This was Mary, Mandy's mother. This was Tom, Tim's brother. This yeah. was Kim, the boss. This was the chicks at the water park coming forward. This was the detectives doing this on their free time. This was, yeah, everyone. Wow. Yeah. And it all, like you said in the teaser, it all comes down to just fate and timing of yeah. these two what you know, are the chances? grown mothers exactly. now deciding. That they both had an interaction with Tim? Like, what yep. if only one of them did and was like, well, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. You know? Crazy. Yeah, I, that is. And I will add this really quick that, like I said, I've been there a few times. Uh-huh. I've driven by her house. I've driven by the part where she was found. And I've been to the cemetery where she's buried and that's not just like putting that out there but like i just want to point out that the cemetery where she's buried is so small there's probably like 20 people there and it is like right next to her house i was gonna say this was it's like not far from where not like if you her house yeah so there's a huge super 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 long road and it starts to curve and it's all a dead end but you'd never know it because there's no signs that say dead end but it leads to a dead end it's like the whole thing is probably a mile long and it bends halfway and right when you go around the corner there's some trees you know so you can't really see but right when you peek around the corner her house is there, and I I don't know if her mom is still alive. I'm not sure, okay. but her house is still standing, and if you go maybe a 30-second drive past her house, that's where the cemetery, cemetery is. It is so small, and when we, me and my dad went through this last time, it was like kind of weird. There was like, I think, like I said, this is a small town. People, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if we weren't the only people that tried to go and like I don't want to say like sightsee, but there are like this kind of stuff attracts people. And I, we of course don't want to disrespect anybody, but they don't know that. They think we might be weird tourists that are like, oh, let's see. Right. Of course, we're not doing that at all. Yeah. 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 We're not trying to do that at all, obviously, but these people probably just want to be left alone. You know, a lot of them are like, this was a really sore spot on our town and we don't want people here thinking it's cool or like, let's take pictures, which we didn't, but we tried to just even drive by the cemetery and this like car kept following us and it was like very Jeepers Creepers, like in our, like our side mirrors, our rear yeah. view, they kept like following us. We're like, let's just go. Yeah, like, maybe this we shouldn't is weird. be here anymore. And yeah. again, it is a small town. And yeah. uh, you can see with this case, even after 30 years, people are very protective of yeah. uh, the people that live there. You right. know, and, and, and we had no it. problem getting out of there like, hey, this is yeah. fine. Plus, yeah. you, you fueled their economy. You bought English muffins. Oh my God, whatever. We bought a lot, donuts, all that stuff. I'm like, if you're there, you might as well. It's a small little bakery, but... Exactly. Wow, that is just... It's wild to think that uh, none of this might have happened if it wasn't for those two moms. Yeah, plus DNA, right? Like, timing, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, think about if this happened 10 years prior where the moms, you know, they say, hey, we think this Tim guy might have something to do with it. Yeah. And DNA at that point just still wasn't up to par to... um, get a real match yeah exactly yeah it it really is is a culmination of everything everything. coming together wow well i appreciate that story thank you i hope everyone else i've actually wanted to do that one for so long now yeah actually you've um before this podcast was ever ever an even thought 
you probably been there at least once or twice. Yeah. And yeah. then you're like, maybe I'm going to go a third time. It's so close. And we never once took pictures of anything, but it is really about being there. And some people have that ability to be somewhere and really feel it. Yeah. And that's how me and my dad are, where you can really sit there. And it's not just like, oh, that happened there. You get no, out, you, get you stand in the spot, kind of. you drive the road, and you're like, whoa. This girl was just, and we've driven that same road. This girl was just jogging, like I do it does. sometimes. It, like she's just jogging, minding her own business, and some guy's waiting for her. Yeah, it kind of and grabs her. There's can happen moments to in life where you're like, it puts into reality uh, the severity of the stories that we tell on these these yeah. you know episodes. Where yeah, for us, it's like, man, I can't believe something like that happened. But then you try to put yourself in the actual shoes of who that happened to. You're like, this isn't just some one-off random thing. Like, no. this could happen at any moment yeah. to and anybody. And if anybody lives in a place where these things happen, right, where it's drivable distance for us, so we went, it's it's a whole other level when you're yeah. there, physically yeah, on the pavement where it happened. It's just weird. If, if you ever have an opportunity to do that, I mean, do it, right? I mean, yeah. Right. If you're and into it. Obviously not like for like the morbid twist, but just like it's like an empathy thing. Just to you know, just like it, yeah. yeah. It's just if you're into this kind of stuff, why not try to see the other side of it as the person who it happened to? Exactly. Yeah. Well, again, thank you. Yeah. I like that one. I'm glad I was able to do that one. I actually want to do that for a while. So yeah, I'm glad that me happened. too. I thought you did uh, an excellent job. Thank you. So no, no, no. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you to anyway, everybody who yes. is uh listening on Yeah. Apple Podcasts, what is it? Spotify, Stitcher, Stitcher YouTube. YouTube. We're What's we're it? all over the place. We got like yeah. a little fly flying around in here and it's very distracting. To you. To me. <laughs> You're like <"Fuck> Whatever. It. <laughs> Whatever. We'll kill it after. Do your thing. Yeah. Well, all right, you guys. Yeah. Uh thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. And uh I suppose this will be this will be a... I don't know what episode this is going to be, but we're, oh, yeah. we're I have turning enough. through these. We are just chugging through them. trying to whip them out. So, yeah, yeah these these next two are going to be Yeah, real two? close Coast to good. each other. We're so. going to try and just whip these out for you guys. I know how it is on the other side. I just yep. want – I wish all my favorite podcasts could just whip them out all the time. Yeah. But now that we're on this side of it, I'm like, oh, there's, like, real-life jobs you have to go to yeah. and, like, you have a <laughs> it, life. There's a little more work to it. <laughs> well, yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh yeah. I guess this is a true crime banter, the podcast itself. The podcast. The podcast. And yep. we will talk to you next time. Bye. Take care.